Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. You know, so often um, preachers will get up here and (laughs) they'll start by telling a story about their kids. Now, for me, (laughs) this is somewhat of a disadvantage because I don't have any children. Um, So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a story of when I was a child. Um, Now, to be honest, I was about 14. So whether you want to classify that as child, teenager, whatever it may be, um, whatever you want, that's fine. But when I was about 14, I think I was in year eight, I started to learn the saxophone. Now, please never give me a saxophone because I honestly, I don't remember a thing. I'm sorry to my parents who paid for my lessons. I don't really remember anything. Um, But I played the tenor saxophone, so a bit bigger than the normal one, a bit heavier, made me look a bit more unique. Um, But I really really enjoyed playing the saxophone. I really enjoyed the lessons. I really love music. Um, But I don't think I've ever frustrated anyone quite as much as my music teachers. Reason being... I would never quite got the whole practice part of learning an instrument down pat. That it never really um, appealed to me, that whole practice thing. Now, this is very frustrating for my teacher, and actually my saxophone teacher said to me one day, she said it was towards the end of the year, and she was saying, Ruth, you really need to consider whether you're going to do this next year, whether you want to continue with this, because it's really frustrating teaching you, which I thought was a bit harsh at the time, but she had a good point, because she said, you have so much potential to do so well in this, but you're not practising, which means that you're not going to see that happen. You know, you improve by little increments, but if you were to practise, you would do so well, and it's really frustrating to see you and watch you waste that potential away. You know what, God has put potential in all of us and God wants to see that worked out in our lives. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note here how it says that we should walk in them. He's created us, you know, he's put potential in us, but it doesn't say that we will walk in them, it says should we walk in them. To walk in what he has for us, we need to have commitment. We need to be committed to that. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 28, which will be our main scripture and will come up on the screens, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the blessing that it is even to have breath in our lungs, to be able to be here this morning, Lord. We, we love you and we just want to hear your word this morning, Lord. Will you open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you have to say, Lord? And will you shift in this place, Lord? Will your spirit come into this place this morning, Father? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know what, as I mentioned, you know, as I mentioned with my saxophone um, career, um, you know, I wasn't very good at practicing. Reality is, I actually did have a lot going on at the time. I was, you know, a very busy 14-year-old girl, as 14-year-old girls are obviously so busy. You know, I had homework to do, I had a very important social life. Um, I was also doing a lot of gymnastics at the time, which took a lot of my focus. So at the time, what my priorities were, were really capping that progress and they were capping that potential. You know, it, it wasn't actually very convenient for me to commit to my saxophone career. It wasn't very convenient at the time for me to um, put in that practice and to put in that effort. And unfortunately, this lack of vision for my saxophone career really took its toll. You know, I kind of wish that I saw it then how I saw it now. Now, with a few years on me, I, um, I can see that at 80 years old, an instrument I can probably play. Doing a beam routine at 80 years old, possibly a little bit more difficult. <laughs> and I wish that back then I had that same understanding that I do now. The scripture says that we just read, it says to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. To be honest, when I read that, I don't think that it sounds all that convenient. It doesn't sound very convenient to our lives to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. It doesn't sound convenient at all. But what God's ultimately saying is that if we don't, if we don't pursue his will over our own, and if we choose to live in a way that our priorities are focused on ourselves instead of seeing his will be done, then ultimately... In eternity, we're going to lose every earthly good that we've been trying to protect the whole time. I think that if we saw it the way that Jesus saw it, we would commit to his cause without hesitation. We would be 100% all in. The thing is, is that when we live with what, we, what I'll call today a half-hearted effort in our relationship with God, we run the risk of missing out on that. You know, I think if we saw our souls with the same value that Jesus put on our souls, he died for them, then that would, that would stir our hearts to see his potential in us come to pass for his kingdom. In the scripture that we looked at, the word that um, it uses, the word life, the Greek word that that comes from actually also means soul. So you can kind of interchange it with soul. And when we look at soul as our mind and our will and our emotions... It kind of gives it a whole new meaning, I think. If you think about it, Jesus is saying that if we don't give those things to God, ultimately we end up losing them. But when we do give them to God, we plant them in something that is solid and something that is unchanging. It's easy to use our circumstances and to use, you know, even our simple fault of humanity, we'll call it, as an excuse to be complacent, an excuse to live with this half-hearted effort in our relationship towards God. But how many people here would agree that big plans require big commitment? Yeah, good. Commitment will cost you. You know, if I want to go on a big overseas holiday, it's going to cost me some finances while I'm over there. It's going to cost me the finances beforehand while I'm planning to go. It's definitely going to cost me some time planning and it's going to cost me the time while I'm over there as well. Whatever your dream is, there's a commitment and a cost attached to that. But reality is when it comes to 
to commitment with God, not committing you is going, not committing to God is going to end up costing you more. I think most people here would um, agree that our, our actions will have consequences. Our actions will have a result or an effect that comes from them. And the, the consequence of not committing to God is running the risk of never moving forward, running the risk of being stuck in a rut, running the risk of just circumnavigating the past and ending up in the same spot as you were. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be in the same spot in 20 years' time, even two years' time. I would hope that I could look back and see how I had moved forward. We live in a world where we're, you know, it's the start of 2017 and New Year's resolutions. We're not built to, we're not built to stay, in the, stay in the same spot. I think everyone has something inside them that wants to move forward, that wants to progress, that wants to see potential. God has so much in store for you. He has put so much in you and has such great plans for you. And it's a privilege, really, to be able to, you know, the God that created the universe, that created the heavens and the earth, that created us, the power in that, that he wants to use us. We should want to see that. We should want to see what he has. But we need that vision to move forward. You know, vision's just really a picture of the future. Um, something, you know, that we're aiming towards. That vision is so important because vision will change your perspective and it will change your priorities. And when our priorities change, our commitment and where we put our commitment will change. You know, the other thing that I think is worth mentioning that can stop us moving forward is not embracing challenges. I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's funny how sometimes the very thing that will help us to move forward is the very thing that we avoid. Challenges. We all want to run from them, but when we run from them, sometimes what happens is we end up becoming distracted from the commitment. We end up turning away from committing because of the fear or whatever it may be that, that's required in that. Moving forward will require commitment, and it also requires sacrifice. We're going to go back to, all the way back to Genesis and look at the story of Cain and Abel, who were um, the sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain and Abel were um, <coughs> giving a sacrifice to God. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Note here how God's actually given Cain an opportunity to make things right and he's actually warning him of what's to come, which I think is so God. I love that. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When I first read this scripture, to be honest... I kind of thought, okay, Cain is given a sacrifice and Abel is given a sacrifice. So why is it that Cain is regarded as so evil and Cain is regarded as doing wrong? 
Well, the answer lies in um, what they gave. So Cain gave something that was quite actually quite convenient for him. He gave something that didn't really cost him much. It was on his own terms and it worked for him. Abel, however, gave something that was very costly. In there where it said that um, it was fat and the firstborn of the flock, that implies that that was the pick of the flock. That was something that was very valuable and something that was very honouring to give to God. So Abel was very faithful and careful in his offering. The difference lies in the heart attitude behind it. Cain approached God with a selfish attitude. He approached God with an attitude that protected himself over giving to him, whereas Abel was faithful in what he gave. So once I understood that, I thought, okay, but Abel's the one that died, right? Like Cain has done the wrong thing, Cain lives. Abel did the right thing, Abel dies. And I think that the answer to this almost lies in our perspective of, this, of, of what the goal is. And you see, yes, if fulfilment on earth is your goal, then life seems like a big cost. And it seems like Cain won out. But when you look in the New Testament, you can it actually refers to Cain and Abel and it talks about Cain as the evil one and the evil way of Cain, whereas it talks about Abel as a righteous man. It talks about Abel as a faithful man. It refers to him, you know, it says that even though he is dead, he still speaks. His legacy lives on. He's the, he pleased God and he gained something that was, on, that was of eternal value. So if the goal is fulfilment on earth, then Abel clearly lucked out. But if, fulfill, if the goal is fulfilment uh, you know, and pleasing God, then Cain has completely missed the point. The end goal wasn't fulfilment on earth, but it was pleasing God. You know, we're all expected to make sacrifices. I think um, most people here would agree with that and you would know that, you know, in life we're always facing these decisions and you can choose to trust your flesh or you can choose to trust God and we're always having to make sacrifices. Even if you're here and you you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, to do something that you want to do always is going to cost you something. You know, you want to be in a sport, it's going to cost you time and it's going to take away from your social life. Whatever it is, it's always going to have a cost attached to it. But Jesus took it a step further than that. You see, Jesus didn't just ask us to sacrifice, he asked us to surrender. Surrender is greater than sacrifice because it doesn't just require a little bit, but it asks for everything. But ultimately, we start to step in it to our potential when we're willing to submit to God and submit our life to him. We find our life when we lose it to Christ, like the scripture was saying. When we live half-hearted, all that we end up doing is withholding this potential. But when we give that potential to God, it's then that he can take it beyond our ability, beyond anything that we could do, beyond anything that we could imagine, beyond anything that we could even perceive. It's best for us, Jesus is saying, to commit our lives to him, not only for eternity's sake, but actually for the here and now as well. Your call, as we, you know, as we call it, or your potential, uh, it's, it's too valuable. Your soul is too valuable not to put in the hands of God. We talk about you know, being more like Christ, and I love that Jesus 
he didn't just ask us to submit to him. He didn't just ask us to surrender and just say it and that's it. But he actually set the example. He lived a life of surrender to God's will and him dying on the cross, I suppose, was, you know, the ultimate picture of this, of him surrendering to God's will. It says in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're told to be more like Christ, you know, yes, in loving people more. And we're told to be more like Christ in being kind to people. And all of these things are good. And all of the, you know, we should try and do that. But we don't just follow Christ's example in that respect, but we're also to follow his example in a life of surrender to God's will. So I suppose then we think, well, what do we do out of this? Yes, you know, all right, we'll submit our, we'll submit our life to Christ. But what comes out of this? Can I tell you, you know, exactly what each one, every person is, you know, going to do? Can I tell you exactly what it looks like 10 years from now? No, absolutely not. I, you know, I wish that I could. I wish sometimes I lie there and I'm like, God, if you could just put a screen up in front of me and just play out the movie of my life and all the answers would be given to me and that would be great, then I'll know what's coming. No, God does not do that. And for some of you here, you may know, you know, bits and pieces of what that looks like for you. So for some of you here, maybe you have quite a clear picture and that's awesome for you. But what I can tell everyone here is that God has no lack of vision for this church, no lack of vision for this church, and he also has no lack of vision for you individually and for your life individually. And no, he may not show us every step of the way, but he is in control. And we need to be comfortable with living an uncomfortable life because honestly, if I knew everything that was going to happen in my life, I would probably muck it up anyway because I would be trying to control my life and not actually giving it to him. To give our lives to him, we need to have the faith in him. So no, we're not going to know every step of the way, but we do know that he is a God that we can trust. Can you imagine, and I actually apologise in advance for making you imagine this along with me, because it's not a very happy thought. Usually I have lots of happy thoughts. This one, not as much. But I do think that it's a powerful thought, and I do think that um, you know, it's, it's a good thing to think about because it can explain a lot to us. Now, can we just imagine for a moment if Christ never died on the cross? For me, I know that that would change my entire life. That would change who I am. It would change my approach to life. It would change my decisions. It would change, um, you know, my, my growing up. It would change, in fact, not only in my life, but the world externally from me believing what I do, I know that that would not be the same place that it is today. The co- I think we would all agree that the cost to Jesus was great. Com- commitment cost him. But surely the cost to the kingdom of God would have been far greater than the cost that it cost to Jesus. Surely the, the, the cost of the kingdom of God was greater than, than, than the life of Jesus. You know, it kind of makes me wonder... What promises am I withholding? What promises, you know, may you be withholding? What are we withholding by not giving our whole heart to God? 
Because if, if we look at Jesus and imagine if he withheld what he was there to do at the time, then and then the effect that that had on other people, what effect then by us withholding promises does that have on us personally? And what effect is that having on others? What effect is that having on someone that you're supposed to go and share the gospel with? No, you're not, you know, necessarily always going to know are you going to be a pastor or a business person or, you know, or are you going to be a missionary or you don't need that one big thing, one big God dream to to start. You don't need to have that to get started and to commit your life to him. There's not a perfect time for you to start living a life for him. Actually, he's told us all to, you know, we call it the Great Commission. He's called us all to share the gospel. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Can I ask you, what is the real cost for you? You know, maybe for you, um, it's reputation. I, I even um, had someone recently um, come to me in um, an environment separate to church and they kind of said to me, oh, are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian too, but I kind of keep it under wraps because people don't, people don't respond to it very well here. And I thought, wow, like here's someone that, you know, she's going to church, she would call herself a Christian, she obviously loves God, but she doesn't feel like she can even share who she is. She doesn't even feel like she, like, how is she going to be able to share the gospel with people if she doesn't even feel like she can tell them that she believes it? Yeah. You know, what, what is the cost? Is it your reputation? Is it feeling uncomfortable? Trust me, if I'm, you know, talking to someone about Jesus that doesn't know him, it's not the most comfortable feeling in the world, but you don't need to feel comfortable for it to be right. You don't need to feel comfortable for you to commit to it. Is it maybe time? You know, I think sometimes it's, it's no, you know, no secret that people are busy. We say this all the time, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. But yes, we're all busy. Maybe it's time for you. Maybe it's actually just taking that time out to seek that vision for him. Maybe it's taking the time out to talk to that person instead of just moving on. But if that's the cost, when we compare that to the cost for the kingdom, if we don't step into that, if we don't, if we don't live a life that's submitted to him, surely the cost is greater than the kingdom than it is to us at that time. You know, I remind myself this often because this is as much for me as it is for anyone else. You know, I have to remind myself all the time that if I, you know, don't do that, there's a cost to the kingdom of God and a cost to other people. Not paying that price will end up costing us for far more. We need to be willing to lose our lives for Jesus, to lose our lives for him and live with a full heart towards him so we don't miss out on what he has for us. We need to, you know... You know, I think that we would all agree that God has big plans. So we need to be willing to put in the commitment to it. The safest thing that we can do is lose our lives to Jesus. It is the safest thing you can do. It is, they are the safest hands that you could possibly put your life into. We all here have something to be a part of. Within this church and within God's greater church, we have something to be a part of and he has great plans and we should want to see that. And I don't want to see us miss that. 
trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.